How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. I um, I was looking at one of the notes in my Bible. It said, uh, and I thought this was really interesting. It said churches are going to have churches will have two kinds of goals: survival goals, which is money and resources, which is typically people, money and resources, or they'll have missional goals, which is vision led. Part of our vision here at Amazing Grace, and boy, we we fight to not be a survival ministry. I don't want to just, we don't want to just sustain what we're doing. My goodness, no. This has got to go on beyond my lifetime. Somebody, you know, the church, our mentality sometimes, well, Jesus is coming back, and I do agree with that. He is coming back, but we don't know when that is. So what we've got to do is we have to be mission-led, vision-led. Part of our vision of our ministry is to empower people to daily demonstrate the presence of Christ. Amen? And uh, we do that by two primary principles, by teaching people to love God and to love their neighbor. And uh, so uh, we uh, reach up and reach out, love God, love your neighbor. It's both the same thing. One of the things that our ministry is actively pursuing and involved in is raising up young ministers. And uh, I don't know what all for. I don't don't really care. It's not my job to know what it's all for. It's for the kingdom. Praise the Lord. And uh, so you're going to see over the next several months several young men. And, uh, of course, that doesn't mean we're prejudiced and that women can't be preachers too because my wife's a great preacher. And uh, Bonnie's a great preacher. And Nancy's a great preacher. I mean, there's lots of great preachers here in our ministry. But um, I have really begun to actively pursue to train up and to raise up young ministers for the gospel. And, uh, you know, it's in my nature. It's something God called me to do. And so uh, some of these uh, people are going to end up being missionaries overseas. And uh, some of them are going to be pastoring here in the United States. And some are going to be teachers and evangelists and prison ministers. And uh, and that, that's exciting to me. Amen. We got to pass on what we've got. Amen. Well, first thing is you got to got something. I mean, you got to have something, right? All right. <laughs> well, we have something. Man, some of us have been through some awesome experiences with the Lord. Amen. In church. I mean, just amazing. Phenomenal. I lived through the charismatic movement. Amen. We should have a t-shirt. I survived the charismatic movement, right? Early Pentecost. Glory to God. Well, one of those young ministers that's going to come preach this morning is Dakota Rose. You know, I come on up here, Dakota. I dedicated Dakota. When he was a baby, Amen. And uh, and I've just been uh, and I've watched his dad Warren break up Dakota and Ian having fistfights in the front yard, and uh, while Ian was in diapers, and uh, you know just that and uh, Ian's off at Bible school right now, getting ready for ministry as well. And uh, Dakota and uh, Kara are a great blessing to this church, Amen. And uh, so he's going to bring the word this morning. So I want you to amen him real good and cheer him on. Praise the Lord. And respond however God leads him to have you respond. Amen. Thanks, Pastor. That was very nice. Uh, No, for real, I do want to thank you, though, for the opportunity to get up here and and share my heart. It's uh, it's awesome. We have a great pastor and pastor's wife. Amen. sat under a lot of people when I went to Rama and different things, and uh, I may be a little biased, but I think that our pastor is one of the best speakers in the nation. 
And he didn't even pay me to say that. I said that for real. All right, well, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, like I said, to share my heart. Um, Father God, I don't take this lightly. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a privilege to be able to share your word, Lord, to, uh, to share what I believe you're calling us to, Lord. I thank you, Father God, for uh, the words to speak, Father, that I would uh, articulate myself well. <laughs> that uh, people would be able to understand, Father, that your spirit would penetrate the hearts of all of us in this service, Lord, including myself. Lord, I just thank you so much for everything that you do for us and for your word and and for your love shed abroad in our hearts, Father. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, if you all want to jump over to Matthew 13, 44, chapter 13, verse 44 is where we're going to start. Um, while I was getting ready to share this message, and pastor, pastor let me know way in advance because he's awesome, and uh, let me prepare, uh, I started praying and seeking the Lord about what, what I thought he wanted me to share, what I thought God wanted me to share, and uh, normally, he tells me way in advance, and I have, um, maybe not super specific, but I have a topic that I know that he wants me to share about. And he didn't do that, that this time. Um, it made me feel very uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy that. Um, but it was good for me. It was good for me. Um, because he's, he's always growing us. He's always challenging us and getting us ready for what's next, right? So, so he finally, after lots of prayer, it felt like, it probably didn't take that much time, but it just felt like a lot. Um, he gave me one phrase, which I also was not satisfied with. But he gave me this phrase, he gave me this phrase, back to the basics, is what he said to me. Um, and I was like, awesome, that's so good. I, I have like a, a base to start out and go forward. And, and uh, But that was it. Like, I was expecting, like, back to the basics, and then, like, you can't just get up on stage and say, back to the basics, and then go sit down. Like, that's not how, <laughs> that's not how this works, right? So... So he started, he started showing me things, um, and he, he, he brought up a memory to me. Um, I was at a youth retreat in Grayling, Michigan about a month ago, um, and, uh, and uh, some of my kids are here today. It's pretty great. My students, sorry, they're not kids. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so we were there, and, and the last night they gave us uh, these little, like, vial things, we were supposed to write a message and put it in this bottle and then close it up. And it was supposed to be just between you and God. Uh, I'm not going to tell you everything I said in it because that would be pretty personal. Um, but I'll just give you the gist. And what it was was I, I said, God, I miss you. Um, I miss the, the depth of the relationship that I had had previously, right? Um, and I wasn't really sure how I ended up there, you know? Like... It's not like I stopped doing all the things that I had done before, really. Like, I mean, I was in the Word. I was praying. I was, but, but I'd become distracted by a lot of stuff. Come on. Um, and, and, and so he showed me this, and, and I, I, I wrote this down. I put it in the vial. God, I miss you. I want that relationship with you. And uh, then I went back out. I sat down and talked with one of the students that was actually dealing with the same thing, which is funny. Um, and, uh, and I went back out into the service, and nothing. I didn't, I didn't feel nothing. Uh, 
but the next morning, I got up, and I was on my way to work, and I was listening to a song I hadn't listened to in a long time. Um, and I guess this part in the song where the, minister, or where the uh, vocalist, he screams. It's a screamo band, sorry. Um, uh, but he started preaching, and he started talking about how if we take what we've found to a dead world, to a dying world, to a hopeless world, we'll start to see those things come back into our, into our world. Wow. And um, I start bawling. Like, I'm sitting in my car, and I just start crying. I don't cry very much. Um, but I started crying, and God was, like, just, like, hitting me with his, like, with his love and compassion and relationship and, and all the stuff that I had written down in the, in the vial that I wanted. And I wasn't expecting it to come that way, but it was awesome. It was exactly what I needed. Yeah. Made it hard to do my job that day, but it was, it was all right. I worked by myself, so. Um, but... But he showed me that, and he said, that's what I'm talking about. Back to the basics, that's what that means. And I was like, okay, so like relationship and love and that kind of stuff. And he's like, yep, that's a part of it. And I said, okay. And then he showed me another memory, and it was, uh, I was actually at uh, Youth for Christ, which is Jeff over there is the leader for the high school youth there. Um, and it was after they had shared, and we were with our small groups, and this student um, started sharing and he's like he's had a rough life and he started sharing and he's like he was so convinced that like he had done something that made it so God couldn't redeem him couldn't redeem his life because of something that he had done and he's sharing with one of the other leaders and I heard the voice like in my spirit I heard the voice of the father and he was just like I love that kid man I love that kid I love that kid you got to tell him I love him you got to tell him I love him and uh I was, I don't even really know what he shared, like, fully, because I was so distracted by, like, it was, like, booming on the inside of me. And so afterwards, I grabbed him, and well, I didn't grab him, but I was like, hey, come here. And we talked, and, and, uh, and we talked, and I shared with him about Paul's life and how Paul started out as Saul, and he was a Christian killer and all that crazy stuff that he did. And, and, and God, last night I said good stuff. That's not a good thing to say after you say that, just so you're aware. <laughs> Uh, crazy stuff that he did. And then God redeemed his life, and he wrote the majority of our New Testament, right? right? right. And um, I told him that, look, dude, like, there's nothing that you have done that can negate the redemptive work of Christ. Like, nothing. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He sees you, and he doesn't see your sin. He sees a pearl of great price. Yes. So Matthew 13, 44 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered in, in, hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything that he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on a lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything that he owned and bought it. Growing up, I always kind of looked at this verse and uh, just kind of skimmed over the second part, just kind of assumed that the kingdom of heaven was always the most valuable thing being discussed. Um, but that's not the case in the second portion of these, these verses. In the first part, it is. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure, and it should be treasured, it should be taken care of, it should be protected, yes. it should be maintained. Yes. But there's a second part. And this isn't what I'm preaching about, but it's just so good, I couldn't stay away from it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant 
First he was a treasure, now the kingdom of heaven is a merchant, looking for choice pearls. And when he discovers a pearl of great value, he sells everything that he owns to buy it. We have to be able to see the people around us as pearls. That heaven went bankrupt for it. Sold everything that it had. The kingdom of heaven sold everything to redeem your life. Right, right. That's good, man. I mean, and that's like, and to redeem the person next to you's life. Right. And the person at work you don't get along with life. Come on. That's right. That's who God is. That, that's what the kingdom of heaven is about. So God was showing me all this stuff, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's awesome. But I feel like I missed it somehow, you know? I feel I f- like I wasn't sure where the disconnect happened, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and this is what he shared with me. He said that we, the church, have become distracted by our personal opinions Politically, yes. in theology, yes. my truth. My truth. That we have allowed, we have allowed things that don't matter as much right. to get in the way of the purpose of the kingdom. We have, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but we've sectioned ourselves off based on our opinions. And we group, we group the church up based on opinions. And that's not the kingdom of God. That's not the kingdom. So I, I was like, okay, so how, like, what does that mean? Yeah, we, we became distracted by our opinions, but how did we get there? And God said that we have elevated our own opinion above the word, love, unity, and relationship that he has intended for us. That we have taken our opinions and we've elevated them above his word without really noticing it. Because, Because somehow we've convinced ourselves that our opinions line up perfectly with the word. That's what we do. That's what we do. I, I, like we, I, I can't get away from it. I tried so hard not to talk about this, man. I'm like, I'm like, God, like, don't make me talk about this. Like, don't make me talk about politics. Don't make me talk about those things. Because we grab a hold of those things and we hold them as though they're truth. We grab a hold of our stance. And we hold it on to it like it's this precious thing that if someone says something against it, well, they just must not know God. Because anybody who knows God agrees exactly with what I believe all the time. That's just not true, man. That's just not true. People disagree all the time. Anybody who's married knows that people disagree all the time. I'm a very opinionated young man, okay? I am. My wife can tell you that I'm a very opinionated person. And she loves me anyways. She's awesome, man. She's awesome. 
She puts up with so much stuff. Her father-in-law is very opinionated. He's not here, so I can say that. My dad's probably sleeping because he has to work or something. I don't know. But he's pretty opinionated too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, but do you see what I'm saying? That's what we do. That's what we do. We, we grab a hold of those things and we hold, we hold them as, as higher, as more important than reaching the person in front of us because the person staying next to us that's supposed to be on our side has a different opinion of who the president should have been. Or, for real. So God said we have to come back to the basics. In the basics you find love, unity, and the kingdom. Not my kingdom. So if you flip over to John 3, 16 and 17. Very familiar scripture. But one that is extremely important to the basics. So in these things that God told me about the basics, he, he gave me just two to talk about, really. Um, unity in the kingdom is kind of like one point. And then love is the other one. Um, we're going to talk about love first. Uh, love is a two-part thing um, talked about here in these next couple uh, <clears throat> chapters and verses we're going to read. So John three sixteen and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We're called to love. Yeah. In these verses, it, it talks about the way that God loved the world. And if the love of God is truly shed abroad in our hearts, that's the way we're supposed to love the world too. We were talking uh, last night, I said this, I'll share it again, I guess. Uh, when I was in Teens for Christ, which is the youth ministry that I travel with, um, we did this, one year we did this theme of the love of God, really. And um, I played Jesus, which is pretty cool. Um, and, uh, and, and one of the things that they talked about in it was the verse, I can't remember where it's found right now, um, where Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And anyone who doesn't love me won't obey my teaching. Right. And um, Dan, the director, did this whole teaching about it at camp, about how we flip that a lot with non-believers or people outside the church or sinners, whatever you want to call them. That we flip that a lot in our lives and that we try to get people to, to like, obey their way to a relationship. And we try to get them to change the formula of life, if you will, that they do to be able to get to God. And then once you've lined yourself up, then you're in relationship. Then right. you then you love God. Right. Right. And it's not, that's not what Christ said at all. <laughs> no. 
Not at all in those verses. He said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and anyone who doesn't won't. I think a lot of times we, we screw that up and we think, we think like what I just said, but in actuality, what God's saying is that when you love me, then you obey my teachings. And the people who don't love me aren't going to obey my teachings, so don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Sinners sin, that's why they're called sinners. That's the way it works. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. God said that we need to learn to stop pointing at the sin and the sinner and start pointing to the Redeemer. That's what we're called to do. We're called to see those people in the place that they're in and love them to Jesus. We're called to sow and water and let God take care of the increase. That's it. That's our job. That's our job. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Love them to Jesus. Love them to Jesus. The second part that I want to talk about is found in John 13, 35. And this is just an overview. Not going into depth with everything. <laughs> it says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. John thirteen thirty five. See, I think a lot of times in this day and age, we get, we get pretty good at loving people outside the church. We're pretty good at it. Not all the time, but it's, we, we talk about it a lot, and that's good because it's really important. But I work with students in lots of different ministries, and um, this may just be my personal experience, um, but the ones who aren't saved yet, a lot of times their complaint with Christians is not the way we treat people outside the church. It's the way we treat one another. They say that the biggest problem is that we're hypocrites because we preach love and we practice hate in our own church. That's their complaint. That's their complaint. Their complaint is, why would I want to be a part of a group of people that every time someone messes up, people are like, well, I just, I really, you know, I just feel, well, you can't say that because that's not faith. Now, there is, there is a time to be like, hey, watch what you're saying. But when people are hurting, they don't need you to hit them with the Bible. They need you to love them. People hurt in the church just like they hurt outside the church. Love needs to win in your life, no matter what the issue is. next point he wanted me to make was about unity. John 17, verse 11. I thought it was pretty interesting that he wanted me to talk about back to the basics and then gave me all verses and chapters from the Gospels. I just think that's interesting. Go spend some time with Jesus and learn about the basics. 
Anyways, so John 17, starting in verse 11, then we're going to skip down uh, to verses 20 and uh, 23, through 23, um, just for time's sake. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. Yeah. I am praying not only for, the, for, for my disciples, but also for all who will believe through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as you and I are one. I am in them, you are in me. May they experience perfect unity. Perfect unity. That the world will know not the people who are in perfect unity, but that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Sorry, I just got to read verse 22 again. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. God loved Jesus a lot. He was his one and only son. You know, you don't, you don't give up your one and only son for something that's of little importance. You give him up for the number one thing. The thing that's most important. We're called to unity. To be one as Christ and the Father are one. The Father in him, him in us, us and them, united, perfectly united. I, I love this one. I think it's a really hard one to achieve. I think it's probably one of the hardest ones because it deals with all those distractions that I talked about at the beginning. And you can pretty well be fine with somebody, which is kind of what we equate as love sometimes. Just saying. <laughs> Just going to leave that one there, let you guys think about that. Well, you can, you, can, you, can, you can coexist with people that you disagree with, but that's not unity. Unity is to be united, is to be one, moving towards the same goal. 
together. One of the things that God showed me when I thought about this um, is uh, I work with, like I said, a lot of different youth ministries. Um, Teens for Christ is one of them, and they're a free Methodist organization. Uh, they're from the East Michigan Conference. It's a great organization. They're changing teens' lives. It's awesome. And we're moving towards the same goal together, even though I'm word of faith. But the one that God really pointed out to me was YFC, actually. Um, and uh, I haven't been there very long. And I know that all ministries have their quirks. But this is what God showed me. We have, I don't know all the different denominations that are represented, but I know there's a Nazarene pastor. I know that there are people from uh, Res Life. And then there's Jeff. Yes. <laughs> And y'all have heard him preach, so. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, Jeff is, for real though, like on a for real note, Jeff is changing people's lives, him and Olivia both. The ministry that they do there, transforming teens' lives. And it is an honor to be able to walk alongside them and watch them fulfill the call of God that's placed on their life. Anyways, God showed me this, this picture of them, right, of, of, of YFC and of all the different denominations that are, that are represented there. And this is the part that sometimes we struggle with because we believe differently, so we feel like we, um, I'm trying to say this really nice, we feel like we must have a better understanding than a different denomination because we believe differently than them. Right, right. And because of that, we can do ministry with other people, but we know more than they do. That's not unity either. That's not unity either. Because while I'm there, I may encounter somebody that I personally haven't been through things like they have. But maybe the Nazarene pastor has. I can be like, hey, you know what? I've never been through this, but I know a guy that's been through some stuff, and he can help you. Right. Well, but what if he doesn't end up going to your church? <sighs> Don't even, okay? It's not my kingdom. It's his kingdom. Wherever he wants them placed, he can place them. I don't care. We can't care. It's about furthering the kingdom of God, not my kingdom of Dakota and the word of faith movement. Unity. Unity. I pulled a quote from uh, one of my favorite documentary movies, things. It's called Furious Love. I just want you to think about this. It says, there was an interview with a Dutch church historian. And they asked him what he saw about the people of the Dutch church. And he made the most interesting remark. He said, well, we have dozens of Protestant denominations and Christian groups because 
to the Dutch person, truth is more important than unity. And when I heard it, I thought, I have to write to say in a whole sermon what you said in one sentence. Because what is truth? What he meant by truth and rightly analyzed is my interpretation of the Bible, my dogmatic views, my doctrinal views. But Jesus said, I'm the truth. The truth is not a teaching. The truth is a person. And if we have that person, we have the truth. And in that person, there is always unity. But if we put our understanding of the scripture and our doctrinal views higher than the person of Jesus... I'm going to say something maybe sharp, and I want to say it respectfully and honorably. We worship idols. Anything that you place above the Lord Jesus is an idol. Our unity is not found in a teaching. It's in a person. And in that person, we always find one another. relationship, the kingdom. That's what we're called to. Matthew 13, 44, which we were already there earlier. We're just going to read the first part again. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything, and bought the field. kingdom of heaven is a treasure. Are you ready to sell all that we have for the kingdom? To sell, to leave our opinions, our truth, our individual kingdoms for that of God? Are we ready for that? I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. God is calling us back to the basics. In the basics, there is love. In love, there is unity. And in unity, there is power. Chuck talked last night about the great, this, this next move of God that, that we're coming into. This is how we maintain that move of God. A lot of the other moves got sidetracked and distracted by all these different things. Unity, focusing on the kingdom first, is how we maintain that next move. It's how we move into that next move. God is calling us there. And it's been booming on the inside of me for months, and I didn't even know it (laughs) until I put this together. But I started putting it together, and God just kept hitting me with stuff. Um, can I, is it okay if I pray for people? Yeah. Okay. Um, if you're here today, and, uh, and the kingdom that you've experienced is contrary to what you've heard this morning, if the kingdom that you've experienced is the judgmental, the angry, the divided, Church, I'm sorry. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father 
is that he saw the world and he so loved that world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you want to encounter that God today, everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. If you want to encounter that God today, if you've never encountered the love of the Father, if you've never encountered the embrace of the Savior, would you slip your hand up? Or maybe, maybe you were like me, and maybe you've known the love of the Father, you've experienced His touch but you felt dry and disconnected. Would you slip your hand up? I wanna pray for you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Father God, I thank you so much for the people that have responded today, Father. I just ask you, Father God, that you would wrap them up in your arms, Lord. You would wrap them up in your arms, Father, and allow them to experience your presence, Father God, in a way that they need to experience it. Because you want to interact with us in a personal way that is personal to each individual. That only you can do, Father. I ask right now, Father God, that you would just overwhelm them, Lord, with your love, with your redemption, Lord. Father God, with your grace, with your mercy, that they would know that even when they feel a little bit dry, that you've not abandoned them, you've not left them, that you're right there. Yeah. That you love them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. And Father, for the rest of us and them as well, that you would help this to ignite a fire on the inside of us. To fight for unity and fight against division. This pastor said that we would use your word, Father, to speak into those situations. Yeah. Life. Yes. Unity. Love. Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for your presence, Lord. Awesome. You can keep playing.
It sounded pretty. Amen. 